Welcome to the Self-Intelligence Podcast, where I have radically honest and heart-opening conversations with amazing people who are willing to share their stories and information that can have a profound impact on your life. Are you fed up playing out the same old triggers and cycles of drama that show up in your intimate relationships? And deep down you know there must be a completely new way that uproots the core of these issues. If that's you, you're going to love this podcast where I speak to Bodhi, who recently attended a remarriage ceremony that was nothing like anything he's experienced before. In this podcast, we discuss the pitfalls of conventional marriage, a refreshingly new marriage ceremony, how to overcome drama in relationships that goes way beyond the same old relationship advice, couple counseling and coaching. Bodhi shares intimate details about his breakup with his long-term partner and how they have now reunited in a completely new way that has removed the issues and drama that had them stuck for years, no matter what they tried. If you know deep down there is another way to experience love and intimacy, do not miss a minute of this episode. Thank you, Bodhi, for coming on to the Self-Intelligence Podcast there in nature which is a bit of a first, the creek in the background. Always, always firsts around here, Chris Knight. <laughs> Bodhi's a, a great friend of mine. We've been friends for many, many years now and have had deep and profound conversations in the background that we felt would be great to share with others. And you sent me a voice message saying, mate, I've got something to share around a, a remarriage, right? A remarriage of all things. Bodhi and I have had many, many conversations uh, around this new paradigm of relationship that has just been calling on the hearts of of those of us who have delved deep into ourselves, right? Uh, becoming more conscious, uh, having the primary relationship in our life, the inward relating and seeing where the identities are, seeing the triggers understanding how we tick our values, beliefs, all of that stuff, looking inside and how much that has changed the landscape of romantic relationships and every relationship, friendships to family dynamics and all sorts of things, right? And so we've been talking about this for a long time and experiencing it in our own lives. And recently, I'm not going to mention names in this particular podcast, but tell us about this recent invitation that you received and let's let's walk down the path of a whole new marriage ceremony that speaks to the hearts of, of what we resonate with and that so many others out there who may not think it was even possible to have this kind of thing go on yeah let's walk down the aisle eh <laughs> <laughs> oh so I must just say before even speaking about the experience at this love ceremony really is is what it was like a a true love ceremony uh was my relationship with marriage was it, it's not going to happen in that old way so getting the invite for this remarriage from dear friends of ours was we both just felt a, a fuck yeah in our bodies. We just both felt this aliveness. And I was with Kat, my partner at the, uh, my partner, and we were together at the time, still together. But we were walking together and we got this text message 
and I read it out to her and we just both felt the energy in our bodies and we just booked flights within a couple days to come up to the Sunshine Coast for this remarriage of dear friends of ours. That's what I found so bizarre, Bodhi. I was like, you went to a marriage ceremony? Like you took yourself all the way from where you are, I mean, thousands of, you know, Ks across Australia to go to it like neither of us have ever been married neither of us have believed in the sanct you know this whole institution of marriage in the way that we're being uh yeah but i still had proposed to cat a few years ago but i hadn't followed through with it because i didn't know how to follow through with something that i didn't agree with <laughs> but i but somewhere in me knew there was possibility there was a possibility of another way of sharing love and celebrating love oh we've both been clear on that right we've both been clear that celebrating love is the best thing ever and and is and and is definitely worthy of celebration right and and that's that's a little bit controversial right now that those listening may go wait a second you're assuming that people get who get married don't love each other and they're not celebrating love we're not saying any of that there is these and we're going to get deeper into this, but the hidden expectations and the underlying implied contracts that go on with these ceremonies, relationship in general, that we have discovered and I have discovered with literally hundreds of clients, myself included through various relationships, has caused so much of the drama unseen, unchecked, unquestioned, so we know this is happening and he's going, I don't want to sign up. I don't want to sign up to that. But I said, I certainly do want to celebrate love. I mean, of course, I mean, there couldn't be anything more sacred to our lives than that. Okay. So let's be clear there. And, and, and it's not saying that people who get married in their general sense that they do now, that they don't love each other and, and so on. But there are many people that don't feel this handing over of the woman to the man and the the implications the 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 conditioned notions that all of that represents yeah many people are disillusioned by that they they're repulsed by it even and and it's like what's the new way how do we celebrate love that's void of that stuff right so you experienced this so i was so excited to see you know what, what this was that's why i sent a message straight away you know the day or two after when we flew back home voice message to chris and tess because i just knew I was like, oh my goodness, these guys have just held this ceremony that connects so fiercely with exactly what we're going through right now in these relationship dynamics where we are wanting to break the old and release what is just not serving anyone anymore. Uh, but a lot of the time we haven't seen, yeah, we haven't seen the pathways. We haven't seen other people older than us doing this you know it's new we're in the breaking of that form which is quite unknown so we're kind of creating it as we go but at the <laughs> but at the ceremony it was like yeah it was family it was friends it was everyone there and you know like a like a wedding and i'd spoken to my friend the day before and she said the first marriage bodhi was the the commitment to pain. And they are only realizing that through the reflection and the releasing on all of this old pattern stuff. 
But the first marriage for that 20 years or so was the commitment to suffer the pain. And then this one, what we're doing is we're committing to love. I still didn't quite get it when she said that on the phone. I got it. I felt it, but I didn't get how they were going to explore and present this and share this with everyone, you know, including their parents and, and yeah. These people are very conscious people. They're even leaders in the conscious space, right? And that was at the time that they chose the pain pathway. 100%. So Because I've worked with many of the these conscious leaders uh, in a sense of teaching self-intelligence, teaching self-inquiry and these things. And they often have come at the point of where in the foreground, I'm doing all this amazing work out there with someone. But in the background, my relationship is actually, if I'm honest fraught with pain and suffering and niggling issues and stuff we all kind of fob off as normal but actually what the hell is going on right so let's be clear this is not just your these people are leaders in this in this space of consciousness and love and connection and all of that that's how that took place but they've grown right and that's another interesting part to mention is before that they decided to have this remarriage they spent the last nine months and they mention this, right? So we're all sitting there. We walk up through this beautiful aisle. There's a fire ceremony to kick it off. Our Aboriginal brother does a epic dance and welcome to country. Um, and yeah, the fire's there. And then as they both stand, they're both standing in this infinite sign on the, on the ground that was just made by a, you know, like a, a piece of material. Yeah, so the infinite, the figure eight sort of sign and one's in one part and one standing in the other of this on the floor. And they're looking at each other, but then they speak to us. And uh, one shares that the last nine months, they've been waking up most mornings around 2 a.m. And anything that's been held in the body, that's been unspoken, that's been unconscious in their relationship dynamic has been opened, expressed, shattered, released, um, moved through. And they said it was a nine month, it's not the end, but it was a nine month journey before going, let's celebrate and get remarried. Let's celebrate our love. So nine month journey, yeah. They stand there in front of all of us there. And um, the beautiful woman, she says, I'm committing to self-responsibility. I'm committing myself to love and anything that's unconscious anything that's old anything that you know whatever it is to be conscious to be brung up to be brought to the surface and released and i'm committing to love just love itself and i would love to share this with you and then so he's standing in the other part right they haven't they're not touching hands they're not in each other's space they're not trying to put anything on and then he says i'm committing to this present moment and anything that distracts me from the present moment anything that pulls me away from the present moment i'm committing to releasing this so i can honor the present love that i am feeling right now and in right now and i wish to share this with you this moment with you and then they stand there and they kiss, they pash, they dance, they turn up the music, they get everyone dancing in that moment. 
and then they ask everyone to set to grab some bundle of these leaves and put it into the fire as well and at that moment i was looking around the room you know when they're expressing this and i could feel all of those especially women and men but especially women that had had a couple of kids you know not just but they were done with the old relationship dynamics like me there sitting there with my beautiful partner as well and my daughter taya and my partner cat's pregnant as well so like coming into this next form of our relationship and i'm sitting there and i'm looking around the room and those that are really resonating with this and going it is possible we can celebrate this love we can move into a new dynamic of co-creating with love everyone was just like like they were there they were just like yes and anyone else that was in the old dynamic that they were cringing inside just going like no like there's got to be more where's the false sense of security to place in the other where can i and and the woman of the ceremony she also said you are not responsible you are not responsible for my happiness Let's just stop there for a second because this is what I mean by the underlying implied agreement. When people come together, they don't say this outright. This is not said as a straight-out statement, I'm here to make you happy. I'm, it's my sole responsibility. It's my obligation. It's my expectation, right, that my now role in life is to make you happy. This is not said explicitly, and yet that's what you're agreeing to. It seems very... Good, it seems very stand up, doesn't it? It seems very responsible. It seems committed to say that's my job now in life is to make you happy, to love you, because that would mean I love you if I'm making you happy. And if I was responsible for your happiness, that just seems somehow makes sense, right? But of course, in learning and experiencing relationship, and particularly for people who are conscious meaning they understand their internal environment and what's going on, they start to see that expectation is the root cause of the pain we're experiencing. And I assumed that because relationship is so important and because it's such a high value and because we're essentially terrified of being alone, and I, I don't know how many times we've gone, I'm going to talk about this because in, in each trigger inquiry, I do trigger inquiry as a part of self-intelligence and it could be trigger about the dishes, it could be trigger about something that caused jealousy, it could be trigger about what happened at the pregnancy, it could be trigger about, trigger about, trigger about, whatever it is. So often those triggers come back to the fear of being alone. As society, I've started to realize, has agreed that it's unreasonable for a human being to be alone We've agreed, we've, we, don't, we haven't agreed it out there, but we've agreed upon it collectively that it is unreasonable to be truly alone. Therefore, it's my obligation to make sure you never feel that way. And in doing that makes you happy. And that's my, that's my responsibility. When I marry you, I'm going to make sure you never feel alone, for example. And this woman is saying, that's not your responsibility. She's saying, that, no, no, no. My responsibility is to discover in my deepest aloneness that I'm implicitly, intrinsically, naturally at ease, at peace, complete, fulfilled. These things are intrinsic to my nature. You are not there to, to, to fill that void for me. That's what I hear when I hear what you're saying. That's exactly it. 
And then when she says, and when I have discovered my intrinsic happiness, my intrinsic peace, I'm going to share that with you. <laughs> that's absolute gold. That, that's a recipe for a great life. <laughs> so th these things have to be nutted out, buddy. We have to go, we have to discuss what, what, when, when someone says the new paradigm or the new dynamic, what are we even talking about? Like what new dynamic, what, what, because, because on the surface, they're going to look like they're doing like the same thing as everyone else. Right. Or even speaking out the ceremony, it's still, it's right there. You know what I mean? It's still, it's so similar to a traditional wedding, you know? It's so similar from the outside looking in without feeling it and hearing it and being in it. It just, this is, oh, a wedding. Yeah, yeah, there's a wedding going on there and these two getting married. And yeah, so it's, it is, it is breaking down the uniqueness of that. And yesterday I was, I was just thinking about and feeling into this energy of having to put up with someone when you get married in a, in a sort of old, old way, I'm going to say. It's not just an old way, but... You know, and, and feeling like you just have to put up with that person for life. No matter what, you just have to put, I've signed up for this, so I've just got to put up with it. I'm not going to express it. I'll just have bitterness and resentment build inside me and then lash out or, you know, or just whatever it is. But I just, I've, I've agreed to put up with this. <laughs> is that not crazy? Like if someone's talking to you like a piece of shit, if someone's just, and you just, but that's what I've, I've committed myself to. Well, this is the insanity, isn't it? And it, but it, it, it's all normalized in the fact that it's completely unreasonable that you shall be alone. Totally. Yeah. And breaking up and all of that taboo, gone, can't do that. You know, it's like your fa failure is so tied in there. Oh, like failed the person, failed yourself failed life because we actually see it as like the highest regard almost like this long-term relationship only even though we know that it's not just it now we still still celebrate and see it as this like my investigation of uh which started with religion was something that was unquestioned it, that's what religion was it was this is told to be true told to be real told to be believed and told to be non-questioned and if you question it well there's something wrong with you and religion is one thing and a lot of people do question it and there's science and there's other things to kind of go wait a sec is this really true what is being said here plus there's 10,000 other religions that you can go wait a sec maybe I don't have the exact right one or whatever the case relationship is in my, in my opinion the second top most covert religions that we live in that has a whole bunch of beliefs that house it that aren't spoken directly that aren't made clear that is energetically in the fabric of our consciousness that is just like you said i'm here to put up with you and that's my lot in life and that's what i've agreed to and that's normal and what i'm going to do is i'm going to seek counseling if necessary or coaching or whatever at the times that this insane agreement becomes really, really almost too hard to bear, then I'm going to start trying to improve the prison cell. We'll get a flat screen TV and put it in here and put a little gym set up over there and pimp out the, the prison cell, basically, right? Because how many people, when they're in a relationship, feel like 
they're stuck and they're, they're, they're like, I'm in a, when people end a relationship, what do they say? They're like, oh, I feel like I've broken free, right? Like I'm, I'm out, I'm out of the cage of this dynamic that I've, I've signed up for. But we did our best and we tried to make it a comfy cage that was definitely looking better than anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> right? Some people get to that point where they're like, I'm out of this. Like, and this is the scary part, right? And you've gone through this and we, let's, let's maybe chat a bit about that because I've gone through this uh, recently as well. When it's realized this dynamic is inherently disrespectful in its assumptions, one of those assumptions that anybody can look at in themselves is when I'm in relationship with someone, there's a sense that I own them, isn't there? There's this assumption like your mind. We even say these words like your mind and, and I want you to be mine or I want you to have this sense of ownership because this sense of ownership is like me giving over, surrendering over, devotional something or other that symbolizes our love. But actually to presume that you own someone in this way is the foundations of disrespect and then is the foundations of mistrust that you would even dare have the audacity to to presume such a thing and if we're both doing it we both know we're out of integrity so we both cannot fully trust each other in already how the dynamic starts and then i'm going to use every trivial thing that happens in this relationship every trivial annoying thing to prove i can't trust you to prove that underlying issue, right? This is subtle stuff, isn't it? Because I want everybody to look who's listening to this, who's open to listen. If you're open to be in this conversation, in this podcast right now, I, I, I commend you because it's courageous. Because the things that are going to come out in this conversation are not going to be unheard. <laughs> are they? How many conversations we had is like, if we speak to this, we will not be able to back ourselves out of it. Truly ask yourself, how much of you doubts the relationship and is constantly looking for proof or constantly looking for ways to, to verify that you can trust it? Like there's this underlying insecurity there somewhere. And when you work with your partner like you have and I have in the past when you take major risk with your partner like say for example when you have a child right or you buy a house or you take a big commitment right how many times in the process when those big commitments were made that level of mistrust just got freaking right like wait a second <laughs> there's so much stuff that comes up right am I really going to take it this much further am i really going to commit further down this track with this person do i really trust that i can do this you see this type of thing we put major pressure on that working with our partners uh you with cat and uh that's had some turbulent history of of recent times because what we're talking about here is when you discover that the that the very framework of the relationship was set up to fail then you that if you're if you're willing enough and brave enough to admit that to yourself which you are then something has to change and actually that means the moment you've recognized that that's the case the relationship as it was has ended 100% and then it's well we may now continue 
together in the new way or we may not continue together. But what I know for sure is this has got to end. What What's here has got to end, you see. And what I loved about this, this story is that these people said they knew it had to end. They said it had to end. They chose to do the inner work in their own sense and, and, and go through some major initiation there to come to like, okay, we can now celebrate this. What has your experience been of realizing the dynamic was false and coming and approaching the new? Like, tell, tell us about this. Oh, that's why this resonated so much sitting there at this remarriage and feeling it and seeing the possibility of this being celebrated in this and my whole being was just like in tears of knowing like a sadness and a joy springing at the same time because i'm just i'm at witness to this you know something i know which to to be true but i haven't been able to express even or or visual bring properly you know um, and that's why it resonated so much because like when Kat and I decided this is it, you know, and we, we decided to part ways, I'd been, before that, I'd been expressing what I can commit to and what I'm not going to commit to. We had been going through your trigger inquiry questions as well. Let's stop there. So there's some context, right? So first of all, you had a separation a while back, right? So like, so, so a couple of years back or something. How long has it been now? So we separated in July, like we finalized the separation to the nth degree, but it was sort of May that we, I made the decision. Like I found the courage to make the decision and we had been in the works of that for, I remember having a ceremony two years before that releasing these old patterns down at the water in Mount Monganui in New Zealand just after Taya was like one year old. She's four now, our daughter. So it was like we we were in the breaking, we were in the releasing. Let's put some context. So Bodhi and Kat have been together for how long now in total? Eight years. We just celebrated our eight-year coming together since we first met. Okay, and then you've you've had a child. You've also run businesses together. You've also uprooted yourself and been children of the world and traveled to remote places and lived in New Zealand and so on and gone through major journeys together, right? Major journeys together. And as a part of that, discovering every step along the way, this this thing that doesn't resonate, this this idea that's not but but what's the other option, right? Like how do you do this, right? And then eventually coming to the point and you said uh, you asked me because when I entered the new relationship, what Tess and I did was we sat down and put all the belief systems that we could find that were causing this issue. And we asked, is it true to each belief? Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Because we know if I'm with the false, love will not be able to be natural. If I'm holding on and identified with the false, love is just not, it, it, love is blocked in the false, okay? Because love is natural. Love is not something I have to try. It, it, it's just who I am. So we went, let's get all those blockages out. Let's list them out. And we've taken multiple clients through this and gone, okay, this belief, this belief, this belief, this, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? It's like, well, I know that's not true, but I certainly 
<laughs> try that on you know like every other day i have a question and and even if i did i kind of i'm still a bit reluctant to let it go right even if if i'm honest right and we can maybe touch on some of those what those beliefs are don't you call that the comfortable nightmare yeah the comfortable nightmare it kind of feels like it might be more comfortable or easeful to stay in than to make that shift but it's such a nightmare that's the prison cell and you know how terrible it feels but the the unknown and stepping out of that and letting go of that feels um too yeah it's too uncomfortable but it's so uncomfortable in that comfortable nightmare <laughs> yeah well that's the point the, the nightmare has to become so uncomfortable uh that there's a willingness to go i i know in my heart there's another way that's not this way and i'm willing to brave the unknown and now so you got to that point, you did these questions and, and so many of your own like inquiry, like, but part of that was those questions that I gave you. And, and then it got to a point of like, enough's enough. The old habits are still kind of there. The patterns are still there. They keep playing out. This has got to be completely cut off somehow. Yeah. And, and then committing to that and going, okay, no matter what this, I couldn't do that with a false sense of hope that we would say get back together so even that even that like i just had to completely go all the way and like for example people only referred to cat and i as cat and bodie oh cat and bodie we wrote it on our website everywhere we'd be in schools they'd be like cat and bodie cat and bodie oh cat and bodie we had like on fundamental you know practical levels we had two bank accounts business bank account um, personal bank account, no Bodhi bank accounts, no cat bank accounts. Like we had come in like this and released everything else that, that could bring the, the individual or, you know, the fear of the individual having their own power as well, their own control over choices and all of these things. So we went in like this to the point where we were so lost in that and, you know, on one just little practical element of like what to buy. Like, do I have to consult? Do I, do we need, oh no, Kat wouldn't agree with that. So I, do I doubt myself even without talking to her because I'm thinking of how she would react to that and whatever it is, right? But that, that, that was one right there. So then it was like when we d made that decision, it felt so clear but it felt so awkward to the outside world because we were in love. We were sharing a lot of love. We were dancing on the beach together as we were parting ways. Whose belongings are these? Are you going to take this, Bodhi? So Kat had decided she would move to Australia to close, be close to her family in Victoria, where we are now. This is months later. With Taya, with our daughter. I decided I don't know what I'm doing. That's not I don't know where I'm going. That's not important right now. I just have to do this. And communicating it to Kat over that journey of us separating was also hard because it kept coming down to this freedom word, which really freedom, love, it's, it's, all, it's all right there, joy, you know. In nasty times, it would come back in like, oh, you just want your own little freedom over here. Yeah, it was all of this. And Anyone in a relationship right now, 
just notice that exact dialogue. You just want. Because because a relationship is a war of wants. Who wants what and who gets what and who's sacrificing what they want and how much have I sacrificed what I want so you can get what you want. And now because you're playing the game of wants, you're lying a lot of the time. So then they come out with, you just want, because I've got to put it like that to to show you that, yeah, yeah, you're handing me this idea. You're handing me this kind of like right presentation, but actually you just want this. I'm going to undermine what you really want. And it's like, why am I telling this person? Like I need to justify <laughs> to defend myself to what I want. This is insanity. And how disrespectful does she feel saying that? Not even knowing at the time it feels disrespectful, but it is inherently disrespectful because if you loved me, you would not want that. If you loved me, you would want this. Is that what love is? This is our generalized notion of love. If you loved me, you would want what I want. That is not love. That is delusion. That is a nightmare. That is a prison sentence. That is non-improvable. But we try. Yes, when the separation happens, it's like, I will, in the pain and the grief of it, I no, 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 I'm so sorry. I will give you everything. I'll give you everything that you want. You deserve. You, you, you're the best person. You're an angel. You're a da-da-da. All of a sudden, it changes. And it's like, back the cycle goes. Back the cycle goes. If you would like to download a free beginner self-recognition guided meditation audio to start your journey of healing and freeing yourself from the inside out, see the link in the description or go to selfintelligence.com. That cycle, like as we were breaking things previously, let's say six months, year, two years, knowing something was up, we'd be like consciously shifting things but then defaulting back which there's still some defaults going on and they're the ones to just keep, you know, unraveling as well. But it's like those were the things that kept me in the cycle and cat in the cycle to the point of like there is no option apart from just continuing the cycle. You know, it just felt too strong. And that was a part of the the clear-cut separation, you know. It was like any money we had was just down the middle. Uh, belongings, yours is this do you want this Nah. do you want this yep or not nah. okay everything down that that place and from the outside like the people on the island where we're living they're like aren't you meant to hate each other how can you still be living to each other i was hearing things that people were saying to her and she was telling me you know like oh this woman came up to me today and she was like oh that fucking asshole he'll realize what how good he had it and all of this stuff, obviously projecting their own, you know, stories onto it of the old relationship dynamic. Whereas Kat wasn't in that either because she knew there's something else and that there's something shifting. So then she'd be going back to the person like, oh, I'm actually not feeling that. But, you know, <laughs> or she'd just listen and yeah, yeah. And she'd be like, yeah, okay. But yeah, so she'd speak it back a lot of the time and and it made it uncomfortable for people around us. It made it uncomfortable for our family because we couldn't quite communicate what was going on. I knew I was choosing love and that's what grounded it in for me. 
and I was writing about it to myself, journaling, and Kat and I were were unraveling this as well, you know. So like during that process, we were experiencing more love, even though we were breaking up. That's a really good sign, isn't it? But that was the confusion at the same time, right? Because we're not holding on to the seed of hope that if we do this, then we can possibly get back together. Of course, that's a potential in there. Well, see, this is a strange thing, Bodhi, because a lot of people that would listen to this would be going, but I am choosing love. He's talking about choosing love like that's not what's happening in in a normal dynamic. How does this make any sense? This conversation of love often goes into places that is so opposite to what love actually is after learning about that, that I feel like may be important to discuss here because I've recently had some real clarity with some clients who have discovered that love is what is here when I remove the false me. And it just is that way. It's not... It's not even like I love. It's just that's what is here when I'm not in fear. Because when we use this word, it points to so many things, doesn't it? When I use the word love, I'm pointing to a a state that is actually very neutral and a state that is very, um, it's not a personal love. From that neutral place comes the expressions that we all know, like say romantic love and, 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 and sharing life with someone and, and loving things about them, like qualities about them and all those things, right? And, and being um, so there for somebody, right? But not starting from that personal place, actually starting from the place where there is just you and you not being the person you believe yourself to be, but just the presence of yourself when he said in this ceremony i commit to presence or i commit to being uh, i'm paraphrasing a bit there that really rang true to the vibration of what i understand because from this place present i am i just am there's just the consciousness of this and i'm not talking spiritual fluff i'm not talking oh that sounds great as a concept i'm talking the factual sense of here-ness that is not created by me, that it doesn't have a history, doesn't have beliefs, doesn't need me to believe it to exist, nothing like that, is just here. This is my devotion, if you like. That's, that's what he said. This is my devotion. And then out of that, what, what naturally births out or manifests spontaneously, creatively out of that, I'm going to share with you because we seem to naturally orbit together, don't we? we? We have this attraction, something draws us together, which is beyond us because attraction isn't made up, is it? You don't create attraction, it's just there. But the idea is I've got to love you as the primary to stay attracted to you and you have to love me, the person, to stay attracted to me and it's like, what a challenging thing to let go of. It's no wonder we're lost. So because what uh, what I hear you say is with them is they had to let go of themselves over that nine months, right? They had to remove all the past, all their, all their inner stuff, their, do the shadow work, you know, to be able to come clean with each other. Yeah, so you've been doing this. What's, take, what's taking place 
in your experience from from making that major cut to having then this um ceremony that verified what you knew was possible right when you knew love was the possibility how is that manifesting for you like what what would you say about that oh cat and i have just been so much more playful playfulness and at the same time inspired but not in a just excited romantic uh well in a romantic way in a way but inspired for this dynamic that we have and for moving into it for celebrating for having a ceremony i proposed to cat you know and i never followed through not not recently this is a few years back and i never followed through with that because it was just grating me on the inside because i thought it would have to be a certain way and that we'd have to basically lie to each other and hold on to a lie uh in all ways not just in the words said you know so then it was like now I'm like, oh, okay, I am actually inspired to celebrate love and to shift these celebrations of love. Uh, we went on a date recently, like just an example, instead of it being mine or cats and, oh, I don't really, but oh, I don't really, and then just not even wanting to be in each other's presence or spend any time with each other, we did a mystery picnic that was organized by someone else and it was joyful and playful. And we were guided around the valley that we're living in, in the Yarra Valley, to all of these different spots on this, on this playful um, day. And we wouldn't have done that before. It was too tense. It was too, it was like, no, I don't want to do that. And then we would just go from that place and then like, okay, well then who takes the lead and who follows and compromises this or, okay, she really wants to do it. I suppose I'm here to please her. So... I'll just do that. It was none of that. The war of wants. And this relationship, like this fresh relationship Kat and I are in, is is fresh. Is fresh. Is more alive. Is moving. We're building a tiny home together. So we're back into like doing things together like this. But there's something else going on in there. The, the ownership isn't there. Anytime it comes up, anytime it pokes it, pokes its head up it's like we're both not going to tolerate the ownership whereas before let's just say sexually as i'm sure everyone will relate to this i literally believed and thought of that her body is mine to have sex with to touch to grab to handle to you know that she almost owes me this every second night or whatever it is even if she's not feeling it, there's no energy. There's, you know what I mean? Well, because you're stuck with her. You're stuck with her. So if I'm stuck with you and you're stuck with me, well, these are the things I want and you got to give them to me. And these are the things you want. You got to give them to me. Like it's. Yeah. So sexually there's aliveness, there's playfulness, there's presence. Let's talk about sexually. Let's just, because I think that's very relatable, right? So in the beginning, there was sex. <laughs> Not there was light, there was sex. So in the beginning, there was sex and there was lots of sex and there was spontaneous sex and there was a lot of adventure there. And there's this kind of sense of like, well, of course, that's not going to stay. And there's there's a bit of a just letting things dwindle into, yeah, expecting, well, at least we have sex. Like, you know, as long as we're having sex 
two times a week, then I guess we're, you know, we're normal or something like this. Uh, there's some kind of, yeah, amount a week put on these things yeah, in this kind of dynamic. When the war of wants takes place, and we haven't talked really specifically about how to end that war, but there's because this, this conversation is a massive conversation. This is part one of part, yeah, man, many, 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 many parts. But the war of wants says, well, I know what you want and you know what I want. And so we have this power game happening. And when you don't give me what I believe was, was, was definitely reasonable that you would give me it, and all of my friends agree it's reasonable, and society in general thinks it's reasonable, and the fact that you didn't give me what I feel was reasonable, then I'm going to now withhold from you, from what you want, because if I don't withhold it from you, then I'm agreeing with it that it's okay. And if I agree with it that it's okay, I'm going to get walked over, I'm going to get used, I'm going to get treated like, you know, a doormat. So I've got to protect my position in what I want that I know in my I believe is reasonable to find out all of that was based in delusion. And that's a big step to take. One of the questions that's in the inquiry is, are you entitled to a different outcome or situation? If everybody in their relationship just asked every time they get triggered, is it true that I'm entitled? The question is, am I entitled to sex right now? And then as soon as you put it in those terms, entitled, you're like, well, of course I'm not entitled. Well, how would I have this idea that I'm entitled to, to sex right now? But I'm, I'm definitely living like that's true. And my body language and my tone and my thoughts and everything else, they're saying it's true. But if I, if I actually deliberately ask the question, it seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? So how have you navigated those triggers? How have you dealt differently with the times where you get upset by things, things aren't maybe working out your way or not aligned or something's not flowing or whatever the case which happens and that will naturally happen with anybody? How are you addressing that stuff differently now that keeps you in a place of respect and love that is maybe different to what it was before or, or speak to that? Yeah, I reckon it's just subtle differences, to be honest. You know, like grabbing cat's butt or walking past and, and grabbing her body or being really, you know, sensual is naturally there, but I'm not doing it in this. My energy is different and cat's energy is different. So when it's there, it's there and it's, it's all good. But also if it's not and I'm just trying to grab at and then I'm trying to, you know, bring my entitlement and ownership in, it's just, it's just not going to go anywhere. It, both sides, you know. So I think the awareness is, is clear both sides that that's just not going to operate here. And yeah, that's just my own inner dealings then and inner frustrations to, to process and to release and to communicate really lots of expression sitting around sitting opposite each other expressing what what what's flowing through you know listening to each other deeper listening but it still comes up you know like yeah it definitely still arises but the thing that you just said there is that it's already shifted in you that you're not entitled so then it just doesn't have legs doesn't have legs it used to have legs and then it was compromise or it was the battle of wars and someone actually winning and the other one yeah just just a horrible energy so to me it's just stepping back from that uh and just going sure 
and just going, what? Just watching, just going, okay, I see you. How great is it to be in a relating where you don't feel it's wrong or that there's an issue if you're in your shit, that you can be in your shit and it's not their responsibility for a star. And if they're in their shit, it's not your responsibility to make it better. But your responsibility is to clear yourself of anything that you make it believe it is your responsibility because that's when you screw it up. That's when you get in their business and that's where it becomes disrespectful again and da 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 all these things. In the old dynamic, to speak to old and new dynamic, the old dynamic is if I'm not getting in their business, then that's saying that I don't love them. But in the new dynamic, if you like, it's if I'm not getting in their business, that's showing them my deepest respect and love. It's completely the opposite way around isn't it it's opposite land the new dynamic is opposite land even my daughter like my daughter won't take any of this crap you know and so she'll get home from school and this is a prime example of this and i'll go taya what did you get up to how was school and she'll just be doing her thing and she's just like she's not saying piss off but she's just like whatever you know doing her thing like uh, but then over time she might just tell me something after dinner or before she's going to bed. She's like, Maverick was really um, sad today, Dad. Or like, oh, Dad, today I played on the da-da-da-da-da, you know? So she's not going to tell me just when I expect it and you must da-da-da-da-da and you tell your dad what you did all day or you, you know, there's, she's not following that expectation of me trying to get in her business. And then Kat is the same. Like last night I watched myself and I was just sitting back from it. And she went to a, a womb ceremony uh, for pregnant woman. And after when she came home, instead of just going, how was it? And trying to like be so in her business, I was just, I, I think I said, how was, how was it? And then I didn't, like I've in the past tried to get everything out of her of like, you know, and I just didn't. And it was such a different experience. After, like, we were doing little massages and, you know, over the course of being there, she shared a couple of things, but I wasn't trying to, like, it was just different. And it might unravel over the next weeks or months or it might not, and that's okay. And she can share whatever she wants or not. But I'll still notice myself trying to, you know, yeah, be right in there because... And out of interest too, but also because that's what I'm expecting that as a partner or a father, you're meant to do. And the Steiner education where my daughter is, they advise you, they write a big letter telling you that they recommend you not to do that. Your child's been through a whole lot of the day. They're in the present moment. No need to try and get them to relay what they did. Be present with them. If you don't ask, it's not love. You're not loving them. You're not interested, Bodie. It means that, you you know, you're a bad father. I'm a bad person. That, no, no, actually opposite, opposite. Stop getting so involved in a personal way, right? And how much love is there? We haven't been taught this, Bodie. There's very little example of this. No, and that's why it's all confusing at the same time. It's not confusing in a doubtful way. Once you're like entering into that new dynamic, it's confusing in the, you know, the trusting of it because usually we're looking for calculated trust in that fear state. 
And then we're looking at, say, old couples that have been married for 60 years and what worked for them, or we're seeing our own parents and like, or whatever, my own parents breaking a year and a half and stepfathers and different relationships. And yeah, so we're really absolutely walking in the known, uh, walking in the unknown or uncharted territory or, you know, this, this wild land with our eyes. But in our bodies and in the senses, we're actually more at home than we've ever been. Because there is a knowing. There's an unknown of this, but there's such a knowingness of that sensation, of that feeling. And that's what you said when you said, uh, where's that false sense of security in this whole celebration? There's nothing. It's like there's nothing here. No one pinned themselves down to some kind of security that i can grab onto and that's why it was painful for some in the old dynamic at that ceremony watching that and going is there going to be something more because otherwise it's not enough to just commit to that is it to just celebrate that is it so it was terrifying at the same time it was confronting just being a witness to this and it was so peaceful at the same time and for those willing to actually see it and feel it for what it is. And those that have just been so challenged in these dynamics that are just done with it, you know? We're looking around nodding, nodding our heads towards each other, just going, oh my goodness. Like, Yeah, for anyone who's who's listened to this and who's, who knows in their heart they've resonated with something, right? It's just like, there's been a lot said here. It's gone in all sorts of different directions, but I just know there's something here. There is a path, there are ways to clean yourself, your internal environment, to inquire, to look in, to see what mess you're bringing, essentially, to the situation in a way that's not judging yourself, being right or wrong or any of that stuff, but taking full responsibility, as that woman said, because her version of taking that, who knows what her specific version is. Maybe I'll get to talk to her one day and say, what, what is that to you? you know, what does that legitimately look like? What's the practicality of that? I've spent the last 15 years formalizing the practicalities of the how-to of all of that. So it's not just some nice conceptual idea of love. Okay, what 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 is this? It's actually knowing this, having specific skills and processes, knowing how to do that, knowing how to to step into this uh, freedom dynamic that does not, and freedom means responsibility. Freedom doesn't mean the absence of responsibility. When people hear this, I want to be, when they say I want to be free, it's often like I want to be free of responsibility. You, you're more responsible now than you were before. You're taking greater responsibility. How do I do it? How do I take this responsibility? Maybe you'll be able to implement more of this at Steiner schools. Who knows? They're, they're, they're definitely more open to uh, these processes because often when people learn this work um, from me, they say, why weren't we taught this at school? If I had known this, it, it could have the amount of drama and suffering and, and violence and just nightmare that could have been avoided in a sense. But even by us as the parents now breaking this, dismantling this, stepping into it, that is the support for our children to actually see possibility. Then like the skills and everything that naturally we'll be sharing. And then, yes, yeah, schools, 100%. It's the, 
Yeah, because it's not just about a relationship. This is about life. Oh, yes. Like this is about our relationship with everything. And in an intimate partnership or relationship, that's where all of those patterns and all of those things that are illusions, that's where they, they come forth. They, they, they come up to be released or to, to bring so much suffering and pain. <laughs> but it's really about our relationship with the whole life itself. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this conversation. I think it's just one of those conversations that people really value. Uh, relationship is has taken up probably 70% of my workload. But why? Because that's where the value is. That's where the importance is. That's where the heart knows this is where I want to discover and this is where I want to have that sharing, like sharing your life with someone. You couldn't have more of a drive than that. But how do I do that in such a way that's wise, that's respectful, that's love, true love-based, not personal love, that jumps around like a ping-pong ball, like every other moment can be something else, but that that is intrinsic to our nature. How does this come into the conversation? And of course, many different people are going to get there in different ways, but it will be the same thing. It will, it will be the same conversation. That's why I love talking to you uh, about this and hearing others that are doing it because they're, they've, they've found the same destination. But there's some key terms that I hear that, they, that everybody uses once they've arrived. <laughs> you know, Sharing is one of those. True responsibility is, is one of those. Invitation is one of those. Radical honesty. Listening. Listening. Oh, present. Yes, all of these terms start to start to naturally come out when this is happening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll tune in with you as it goes on and catch up on the next conversation about whatever that is. Sounds awesome. I'm gonna jump in the uh, river, the Yarra River. It'd be nice and cold. Oh, it's chilly, all right, but really beautiful. Look at that light shining through. Oh, yes. Have an epic day, man. Beautiful to connect. Thanks for to all of those out there listening and enjoy the journey. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. If you got value out of this, please share it so that other people can benefit also. If you are fed up with the drama, overwhelm or suffering going on in your life and you would like expert guidance and support tailored to your situation, Come and be a guest on the Self-Intelligence Podcast. Don't go another day confused how to address the challenges you are facing. If you want to be a guest, go to the link in the description below. And for more information about self-intelligence, including joining my next wake-up experience or detailed information about my 12-week self-intelligence course, go to selfintelligence.com.